When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, we're back with another episode of Bruise News, episode number three. We don't break the news, but we talk about the broken news. Uh, so, as you can tell, Paul Fontaine, James McDaniel is here as well, host of the AEW podcast on the Fight Game Media Network, The Boom with uh, Kevin Eli. How's, how's it going, James? Garrett, thank you for having me here today. I thought you were going to say we don't break the news, but we definitely do bruise it. Uh, my, <laughs> I, I, I want to apologize, everybody. My laptop is in the shop today, but I'm coming to you live from my iPhone. I'm excited. I'm excited to get the day started talking some wrestling with you guys. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to some MMA too. I have a couple of MMA Ooh, things that, that I want to ask both you guys about uh, near near the end, but we will hit the wrestling stuff first. Paul, what a week for you, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know what? I saw the best and worst of social media this week. Um, mostly the worst, <laughs> but uh, you the know, worst you know, is saying something, Paul. But you know what? You you do. Uh, you know, I, I found out I have a lot of good friends and a lot of support. And that was cool. And, uh, you know, you just take it in stride and you try to look at other people's perspective of things. And, um, you know, I had no issue with CM Punk. You know, for, you know, people, I'm sure people watching probably know all about this by now, but he reacted to what he thought was a troll. And, and you know what, there was, I've talked about this a few times. And there's one thing I remembered today. I actually responded to Punk. I forgot that I had. Yeah. And what did. I said was, you know what? I wasn't familiar with the early part of your arch career. I'm a big fan. I love this feud with MJF and I missed Excalibur's entrance. And shortly after that, he deleted his original tweet. Now, some people say he deleted it because he was getting flack. Maybe he saw my response and deleted it. I don't know. But uh, so so let, let's actually go there because sure. I as a peruser of the internet, I've seen <laughs> all of the blog posts written. James even showed us a really cool Russell Talk video written uh, or done about the whole situation. So I guess my first question is is because if I was doing a story on the situation. <laughs> And I'm, you know, I'm Beauregard from WrestleFest.com. <laughs> I, I would go and find you and see, like, what the deal was and how you felt. Did any reporters want to talk to you about what happened before they decided to write about it? No, no. I mean, and and yeah, I saw a bunch of different articles that were written and that were quoting my tweets. I mean, it kind of reminded me of uh, last year. You know, uh, some people might remember that my daughter, um, you know, what had uh, Becky Lynch saw a tweet that I made about her mm -hmm. and she responded and a whole bunch of different websites wrote stories about this. Not a single one contacted me about it. 
Wow. Uh, you know, and, and so this time too, no, like yep, zero? No, not a single one. Wow. But I will say the guy from Wrestle Talk, you know, I mean, if I if I would have talked to him, I don't think I would have said it any better than how he put it. Some of the other ones were basically, you know, like I don't I'm not going to say any of the names because number one, I don't want to give them any publicity. And number two, I don't want to throw shade on them. But I mean, these articles were like, I mean, the writing is fine, I guess, but there's like zero research that went into it. And anybody could have wrote that. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. And and that that was mostly my question uh, to you, which was, did you think any of that coverage was unfair? Because not to say that you are not a fan, Mm -hmm. but if they would have just Googled you, they would have noticed that, yeah. Right for the Wrestling Observer, they would have noticed they, that you do a couple different podcasts. They all mentioned it, and, and the first you know, one that I saw said fan. <laughs> yeah, but then when you read it, you saw. So okay. I mean, I okay. think a fan was a clickbait, maybe. But um, they uh, they were like they were all like fair, and you know, like they didn't really come at Punk too hard. They didn't really come at me too hard. Um, they said, you know, like some people said he should have googled it, but then he went later on went on explain why he didn't. You know, and um, and, or you know, or waited for Excalibur's explanation. And yeah. again, you know, I fast forwarded through Excalibur's explanation. Totally my fault. Um, one prominent reporter who easily could have got a hold of me, I had had an opinion on it, and uh, you know, I talked to him after the fact, and and he explained it wasn't about me. It was it was about all the people that were making this an AEW versus WWE thing, yeah, and saying that AEW didn't do their job and they're not catering. They're catering to like a small subsection of fans, and that's that's just BS. So, like, so they here- did a great job with this. That, that was an incredible story. Like, let me make that clear. Yeah, the Punk thing was awesome for long term fans. And I wish I would have got it. I okay, really here, here's how I correlated what had happened to you now. Sure. I am not a comic book reader. Our good friend Jeremy Finestone is a massive comic book reader. So when I go and watch those Marvel movies, there are things that he's looking for that I'm not, I don't even see coming. I don't even really know what they mean. But the movies are well done. I get something out of them. I'm more of a casual fan. I'm like, wow, that movie's awesome. And he may get a little bit more out of it because he knows the background. He knows the research that he's done. He knows the story. And so if they have a little Easter egg for him, he's like, oh, my gosh, that's what I was looking for, right? So that's kind of what I thought about in this situation. If you were an old school ROH fan and really, you know, when people – talk about that i i couldn't even be an old school roh fan they they never came to the west coast no they were never on tv it was all dvds that you would get three and four months later now i do have some of them but there's no way that i could have followed that product and you know i I had wife and kids and like that wasn't like the, the 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 where i was just searching for pro wrestling content right that time but i you know so i'm not mad at myself for not knowing i'm just like how could I ever know? Like it was just never yeah. going to be something but, that I knew. But here's the question: Could you be a movie critic and review the movie that you just watched without having that back knowledge? A hundred percent. Yes, I think you could. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so for me, like I would say, you know, f- for that situation, like if it was me and I was curious about a certain reference that maybe I heard like a bunch of people gasp in the theater, you know, so maybe I get on thing. Yeah, I could Google it and find out. Hey, what was this about? Or I could just ask my Twitter followers, say, hey, yeah. can someone explain to me the significance of X? You know, and the yeah. guy's probably name probably is X. And someone would explain to me, probably Jeremy, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I Google it, like maybe I'm spelling the name wrong. Maybe I'm not asking the right question, you know. So, you know, that's that was my thought process behind what I did. You know, and- Paul, when I saw the tweet, 
Like I saw the tweet right when you made it. I think I reacted to it, but yeah. I didn't think anything of it because you were simply asking a question and I know you and I knew it's a genuine <laughs> question. Yeah. The thing is, I wasn't an old school ROH viewer. A lot of my friends are. So when Punk came, when we knew CM Punk was coming to AEW, there were a lot of discussions. What's his theme music going to be? Is it going to be such and such from WWE or is it going to be AFI from ROH? So I looked it up back then. That's uh -huh. the only reason I knew. But I think if I hadn't known, I would have just thought this is a cool, different thing. It's a different outfit. Maybe he's yep. doing a little bit of a Demon King type thing. And what you did is you simply asked, what am I missing? Because you knew immediately some people are reacting yeah. to something that I'm not understanding. And to me, that was the most innocuous tweet. Like it was just <laughs> a simple question. I never imagined this would blow up. So like, yeah. the, like yeah. the Wrestle Talk video I sent y'all, like a couple days ago, I saw it and I was like, this this can't possibly be about Paul, can it? <laughs> and then I finally watch it last night. I'm like, it is. And then I realized, oh, this isn't just blowing up in like our our group. No, there's this like a Reddit thread everywhere. <laughs> there's like you a Reddit thread with like twenty thousand upvotes. Like, <laughs> you're a superstar this week, my well, friend. Yeah, I'll I give you that. Well. I, it, it cannot have been fun as it was happening well, because every, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, was it? Oh, I'm yeah. glad to hear yeah, that. I'm really fun. glad it to hear fun. that. Yeah, because I just muted the people, you know, the eggs with like 43 following, zero followers. Yeah. I just didn't pay attention to those people. And, and I, it was cool. I ended up in a pretty long discussion at one point with um with Jonathan Snowden. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I saw that. And Anthony Evans from formerly of the UFC Ant. about Love how, Ant. yeah, about how all three of us le legitimately like go to Dave's tweets when he posts AW ratings and find out people that we need to delete now before we need to delete them in the future. And it made me feel so much better learn. Like all three of us were actively doing that. That's hilarious. Like getting, hitting the trolls before they could hit us. Okay. Paul. So you, you listen to the Daniel, uh, I did it again. The Brian Danielson <laughs> interview. I didn't do that on air though. I was very scared of doing that. I would have, I would you, li you listen to it. And there was a, a large focus from him on, uh, social media, right? He, he mm -hmm. made this big thing about, you know, let's maybe we should get off social media a little bit more. Um, the problem with your tweet and, there's not a fundamental problem with you tweeting the way Twitter works is you're not just tweeting to your followers, right? You're tweeting to the people who follow your followers, who follow the followers of the followers, right? That that's how Twitter works or anyone on the hashtag. A -W so, yeah. so yeah. when I suggested to you <laughs> that, you know, you could keep it in our group or you could, put it in the slack or whatever it was because of that part of it which is your friends will yeah. see it in the more private engagements but you know twitter twitter's twitter it's also more fun to mm -hmm. use twitter during live yes. events my one of the favorite things for me when i watch a ufc show is to follow with twitter because i'm seeing everybody's scores and i'm seeing how everybody looked at a specific round and it's kind of fun when something goofy happens and then, you know, you, you make a joke and you see people are kind of enjoying the show the same way as you. So I get I get why you want to do that uh, on Twitter. But, you know, I, I personally, I didn't know either. Here's how it happened at Dave's house. Yeah, I want to hear this. So we're watching it. And we're waiting for the song, just like you. We're waiting for Cult of Personality, right? 
And so it doesn't happen. And we all kind of looked at each other. And one of our good friends, David Rubio, like he immediately knew what it was. Jeremy, I think he, Jeremy either knew what it was or he was following, you know, Twitter, yeah. the right people who knew what it was. And Dave knew what it was, but Dave didn't know what the song was called. So, you know, we're sort of Googling the spelling so that he can tweet about it or write about it or whatever. But John and I clearly didn't know. And I laughed because there was like this kind of like you, you, ha you have just this uh, room of people. And it's almost like who knows and who doesn't know. And I, I, th I thought it was cool because I was like, oh, like for the for the ROH fans. And I even tweeted this at you and John. I said this was so fantastic for the people who knew. And what it also did is it sort of validated the ROH library that they just bought. Yeah. You know, now who knows? I'm, I'm sure Tony will get that song cleared for I'm sure he got it cleared for the live show. Who knows if he would get it cleared for a DVD or for a streaming or whatever. But like it just validated like, oh, this is a real thing and we're throwing it back and punk is throwing. So I thought all of that stuff was brilliant. I wasn't bothered that I didn't know. I was just more like, no. yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, if it was if it was something that happened in 1997 WWE that they threw back to, I would be like, oh, my gosh, like, who doesn't know this? But that's <laughs> right. just because more that's when I was following a little bit more closely. It's like so. the uh, Edge Brood thing, you know, when, yes, when he. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I that's why I asked the question, what am I missing? I'm not saying what are they not showing me. I'm yeah. saying what am I missing? Yeah, your question was formed around you, not yes. it was a you, not a yes. them thing. Exactly. I, but I can totally understand people looking at like, oh, what am I missing? You know, yeah. like you know, like it's you know, it's all your perspective and what you think the person's trying to say, as opposed to looking at what they actually said. I fully believe Twitter is the absolute worst, <laughs> but I also love Twitter specifically like, for yeah. for live events. Like I yeah. like live tweeting along with shows. I actually got started way back in the day with Survivor was where oh, yeah. I got used to live tweeting. Yeah. And and now it's started MMA a and new wrestling. season. And, and exactly. If you, and if you filter it, like I'm sure you do, James. It can be wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's always people that are going to slip through those filters. But mm -hmm. I did think AEW handled it well, having Excalibur hit pretty quickly yep. what this is, why it's special. Mm -hmm. And, Paul, there's no way you're the only one who missed that. There's so many people that were going to the bathroom, yep. getting a snack, fast-forwarding, mm -hmm. whatever. Well, and the um, thing is, like they I said, handled I, as well as I think you could. When I heard the fake-out... Like the first call to personality, I assumed Punk was coming out, yeah, so I fast forwarded MJF. through it. And so when oh. when MJF was sitting in the ring, I thought Punk was already there. MJF then, so, really faked you out, Paul. Oh yeah, good yeah. work on his part. Yeah, so I mean, I was just confused, you know. All right, so we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted, I just wanted the people to hear it from the horse's mouth because nobody decided to reach out to you when you're very <laughs> easy, e easily 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 could have slid into the dms everyone's quote tweeting you they may as well just slide in the dms and ask you what the heck was going on so that's why i wanted to do that all right let's move on so nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jeff Hardy shows up on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night. Uh, I popped for the music. It was kind of one of those great moments of like, whoa, they got the music. I died laughing when he was running down and dancing. (laughs) I just, I cracked up so hard. Um, But James, Jeff Hardy in AEW, does, does it do it for you? You know, I was a little excited about it. And I think one of the reasons is, is, I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, he's a throwback guy, but this is a guy who still a, was still a top guy in WWE just a couple of months ago. I think Matt Hardy needed something to refresh his character. I was completely sick of HFO, HFO Matt Hardy, and and clearly part of that was the build to this, as in his whole thing was falling apart. I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I got to say, I thought it was done a little sloppily by AEW. It was just kind of thrown in there at the end. I absolutely cracked up when he comes out doing his dance and like <laughs> thrusting as his brother's just getting destroyed in the ring. And I thought that is, that's just to me, that's classic Jeff Hardy. And uh, I, I honestly, I've never seen anything more poorly done by AEW that I ate up so completely. So I was all in. And now we realize that. Probably Jericho and also William Regal went over on time. So there was a rush to get through some That's, of that stuff. Yeah. When I saw, I, I, I specifically saw that the early this morning about, um, about the people going over on time. And that made a lot of sense. And that, that explains so much. And I think that's, a lot of times in the past when I've been critical of AEW for maybe leaving something off of Dynamite, I later find out, well, the Young Bucks ran long or Cody mm-hmm. ran long. So that stands to reason. All right, Paul, you made a you made a tweet about, um, you know, the dream match that 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 could be made. And you had people guess and and you get so much engagement on those tweets. I was like, wow, this is like 20 people replying to this thing. Good job, Paul. And so we do have a comment from our good buddy. Scott Edwards, who does the uh, Joshi show on the Patreon, and we're going to get Scott on this show in particular as well. He says, and I figured Paul would be the best person to ask this, who are you hoping to see Jeff Hardy wrestle with in AEW as a tag team and as a single? Uh, So a lot of people thought that I was getting at Hardy's and the Bucks. And I do want to see Hardys and Bucks on a big stage. You know, I've already seen it in ROH. I think I saw it on an indie somewhere. Um, so I do want to see Jeff Hardy and Matt against the Bucks. I do think the the money with them right now is as a tag team. But I do think Jeff Hardy's going to get a singles run down the road. I'd love to see Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen. Yeah, um, they, they set that up, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. And I think we're getting a, Je- a Hardys. See, I think what they're going to do is do a, do an eight-man tag. Hardy's Darby Allen and staying against probably four members of Andrade's group. And then eventually we're going to see Hardy's against sting and Darby. And that's going to be awesome. So that's James. what I want to see. 
Yeah, I think you I think you're right, Paul. And I think it has to be private party and butcher and the blade. Most likely mm. those are the two tag teams there. Clearly the Young Bucks came to mind as a throwback to that that one I think it was the one match they had in ROH back in the day, right? WrestleMania before the, weekend, yeah. Yeah, right before the Hardys made the jump in, in on WrestleMania. All right, but well, um, what was their theme music during that ROH match? Do you know the answer to that question? I do not know the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's, there's so Super many. Kid party. Like I've been, thinking, <laughs> I've been thinking of all the tag team matches yeah. I would love to see. Of course, Young Bucks. Of course, I would love to see them against the Lucha, Lucha Brothers, uh, FTR. so many matches. But then you asked solo matches, and my mind has just been over here reeling. I hadn't even – my brain hadn't gotten there yet, Garrett, and it's still working on that question. You know, there's I, a, I, I wanted to say I popped for Jeff Hardy's music, and someone quoted said, I didn't understand it, Paul Fontaine. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I, so, I absolutely was – I was so surprised they got that music. I'm so surprised WWE – didn't have that locked down in some way. I don't even know exactly how you lock down music that you didn't create. But man, <laughs> I was impressed with that. Yeah, the, the, I think that's what was in the Observer this morning, that it was just available. So, um, Okay, so here's another question. And, and uh, Jeff Hardy, I think there is a ceiling with the Hardy brothers as a team. They will go through and they will be very meaningful and they will wrestle all these other teams in it. It'll be very cool. But as we've seen over the years, Jeff is actually more marketable as a single than he is as a member of the Hardys. Now, that was Jeff five and ten years ago. Jeff this is not the same guy. And so I'm wondering with you guys, it, how long do you think, and, and we'll start with you, um, James, how long do you think they'll go with the, the tag team knowing that there might even be more money in Jeff as a single. My completely uneducated opinion on this, Garrett, is about a year. As in, in AEW, you can, in my mind, that they'll do two or three major feuds, and there'll be some time off in between. We see a lot of that in AEW yeah. where guys will just not be there for a month or two, and you don't know if they're injured or they're just nothing for them at the moment. But I think you're right. I think they need to make that move. And I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to make the move with Jeff versus Matt first. It's been done before. Oh, it's always sucked, though. You know, and and I'm hoping they don't. I'm hoping it's just a more of a natural him feuding with someone else, going for a belt or whatever. But uh, I'm really excited to see it as, it as it happens. Paul, any thoughts on that? Uh, it just occurred to me, and I'm, I'm glad no one's commented it yet. Um, there's big oh there's my cat there is big <laughs> money in a cm punk jeff hardy feud oh yeah uh, when punk turns Ooh. heel and punk even brought up jeff hardy indirectly in uh in his promo a couple weeks ago so i, I that's the one i want to see now uh, okay so <laughs> this is the best wrestling show i've ever participated in it's I a literal that right now it's a literal cats and dog fight Oh, I wish Paul had kept it going. Ca Casa de Fontaine. For okay, real. so 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 just the people who are listening, uh, you can't see, you couldn't see it, but Paul's cat and dog started to play with each other, and so he cut off his video so that he could Very. take care of business. And, and it was great. <laughs> it was great because if you're if you're not if you're if you're listening to this on the podcast, you need to go watch the video on YouTube <laughs> because you can see exactly. this slowly developing behind Paul. And I was watching this whole thing as it broke out. Also, I'd like to point out to the listeners: Paul is currently drinking a 96 ounce 
cup of coffee. It there appears to be multiple gallons. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so one more question, and and this I haven't really seen this covered. There, there. We we love seeing Jeff Hardy in AW. We love seeing him wrestle, but he did get released from WWE, as far as we know, from failing to go into uh, rehab. I think is 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 what he had said. Right. Um. Are you uh? Do do you think that that is part of this story? Are uh, you know, is I, I guess I feel a little bit like when, when it happened, I thought AEW should actually say no originally to Jeff Hardy because you're creating this like weird atmosphere where, you know, he gets fired for being under the influence possibly. I, I mean, he, there was this whole thing about him wanting to know the test results and all that stuff, but to then just be like, okay, open door, you know, that we saw this happen in, in the Monday night war, right? Uh, WCW and WWF, they're just trading guys back and forth, and some of these guys are messed up, like Scott Hall. Not saying that that's Jeff Hardy right now, but right. I do think it's a little interesting how, um, you know, are we supposed to forget why he was fired from WWE? Does this part of the story mean anything to you, James? You know, I was initially very concerned about that, and I thought, if, if this is true, if it was due to drug abuse, there's no way Tony Khan can bring him in. And I give I give AEW a lot of slack on issues like this because they have they've been a very trustworthy company to me so far. And between the de- and, and of course there were the denials by both Matt and Jeff that it was in any way drug related, and I take that with a grain of salt. You know, that's what anybody would say in that situation. Um, but I, I have a feeling the drug the drug test must have come back clean from the way they've addressed this, from the way they've they've made jokes about it. Yeah, and that, on, that's um, also what I wonder. Elite. Yeah, and I think it has to be. I don't think they're going to be joking about the Young Bucks tasting the man's urine on BTE if it didn't come back clean. And uh, and and I've honestly wondered a little bit, what, was this whole thing, was the whole walkout a little bit of a work on his part because he was just done. And he, and he said when he walked away from the ring in WWE – he was. He just realized in that moment he was done, and that might be maybe the most true statement he said in a long time. I think there's a real possibility of that, and so I'm just leaning towards that being the truth right now, considering the way AEW's handled this. And, and Paul, you are somebody who is very sympathetic to, uh, you know, this type of situation, and you know, what do, do you think similarly as James that this would have had to been, you know, sort of a mistake on their end or? On WWE's, you mean? Right. Um, so when this first happened, um, my, my initial reaction was, "There's no way AEW can pick this guy up." Yeah. And um, but then you know when I heard what happened and and you know maybe he didn't fail the drug test, I still thought that WWE was justified in firing him for unprofessional behavior. Sure. Walking out in the middle of a match. Yes. Seeming disoriented, you know, like they don't know what's going on, so they fired him. All accounts are they tried to bring him back. He wasn't interested in going back. So at that point, it's fair game, you know, and there's money to be made. And Tony Khan's a businessman and his fans want to see the Hardy Boys. So he brought him in. And uh, so I got no issue with it um, now, Um, you know, given what originally happened. Yeah, I mean, if he would have come in like the next day, obviously he couldn't. But I probably would have felt a little bit differently. But as soon as that music hit, it was just like, okay, this is wrestling and it's Hardy Boys. Cool. Yeah. And and it's it's quite possible that his breakdown could have been. An emotional breakdown mm-hmm. or a mental yeah. and so yeah. I guess for me, what I wanted to hear from AEW or what I wanted to hear from you know somebody in, in, in that company say, 
he didn't fail that drug test. And that's why we hired him rather than let us sort of try and put the dots together. Let us leave us to work it out on our own. And one thing I want to say is I am very critical of the WWE a lot, probably more critical than most. And I don't have any problem with the fact that they fired him because of his past. Yeah. I think they absolutely made the right decision for them when it comes to risk management, that sort of thing. And and I just want to point that because one of the few times I'm not being critical of WWE. <laughs> and you're and I think you're exactly right, Garrett, that AEW should have made a bigger deal if everything was clean and they were able and there was evidence of that before bringing him in because we're not the only people having this discussion today. Sure. All right, I think I think we can definitely move on to the next topic, and we will go WWE here. I know Paul thinks that sometimes we overlook the E, and we are not going to do that right now because one of the uh, one of the bigger stories that came out. Um, and let me see if I can find this correctly. I'm actually trying to. Let me see. Nope, that is not what I wanted. I was actually looking for like we're hey, seeing us me. right now. Um, I was actually looking for the Stone Cold Steve Austin um, the video that that he put out. He and WWE put out on what was it Tuesday morning mm-hmm. um, in his response to Kevin Owens. Uh, oh, here we go. The, the video is playing. People can see it. I'm not going to turn the audio up on it. Um, those of you who are listening, we're just playing the Austin video in the background while we talk about this. So. We had, you know, it had been reported and Dave reported it that it was possible that they wanted him back for a match. That was the big news. Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to come back. He's going to have a match. And uh, it has now turned into the KO show and Austin showing up and answering uh, at WrestleMania, not necessarily for a match, though we would imagine something is physical. Paul, you were hoping to attend WrestleMania. Does the fact that Austin is not in a match take away from your anticipation of the card? Not one bit. Um, I, I just want to he- be there when that music hits. I want to see him hit a stunner. Like, that's it. Like, whether he has a match or not, that's all anybody wants to see. So that, as far as I'm concerned, just the fact that he's there and you know you're getting a stunner, that's it. That's good. But haven't, haven't we seen that a lot? Because, yeah, like, the, yeah. the promotion is, is that... Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, waiting to come back for 19 years. But let's go back to Dallas. Uh, what would it be now? Six yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, I was there. We, we saw that, right? Yeah. Then you can go back to um, WrestleMania 20. We saw that. You can go back to WrestleMania 21, and we saw mm-hmm. that. So this is part of my frustration with the promotion is that if you are a longtime fan of WWE, you, we just have to be okay with them lying about the situation. Well, okay, like here's the thing though. Did they lie? Like, I mean, I know that Dave reported it and I'm sure he had the source. No, 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're lying about the match. I'm saying oh, okay. they're lying about him not having been here oh, okay, gotcha, for gotcha, the longest gotcha, time, yeah. right? Like he yeah. has. This is yeah. his deal. Sure. This is what he does every okay, gotcha, every single gotcha. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so for me, like I, I if they were selling it as Stone Cold having a match and then all we got was KO show, then I'd yeah. be pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact is, is they're advertising it. A lot of those other appearances, they weren't advertised. So here, you know, you're getting it there. You might have suspected. I'm sure everybody going to Dallas probably thought we were going to get Stone Cold. I didn't think we were getting The Rock that that time. So that was a nice bonus for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, you know, if Cena shows up 
at WrestleMania, I'll be happy because they didn't advertise it. Um, James, is this something to be negative about with WWE? I don't think so, because I think it's something they clearly wanted to make happen and weren't able to. And I'm kind of happy about it because earlier this year or, you know, back in summer of 2021, I saw a couple different kind of new documentaries that involved Stone Cold. And I saw some where uh, he was wearing sleeveless shirts and I thought, I don't want to see this guy (laughs) in the ring. Like he didn't look great. And I don't want to see Stone Cold who doesn't look good, you know, and he's the one guy I think maybe in wrestling history, maybe along with Hogan who you can have just pop up randomly for an appearance, you know, deliver a stunner and everybody's excited where you don't need the match. You don't need all that. It would have been cool if he was in, in good shape for it and he was ready for it. But if not, I, I still think even again, every six years is okay. Even, even, even if you feel a little deceived by WWE over the 19 years thing, it's just exciting that he'll be there. And and I said this last night on the fight game podcast, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I was against him wrestling. Cause I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm so worried about him actually getting in the ring because of the injuries and stuff. Yeah. If they could have figured out a way to make it really safe, I think I would have been comfortable with it. But now just them saying he's just going to do an appearance. And I'm like, Oh, we've seen that already now, but you know, my favorite Austin appearance at WrestleMania. So it's WrestleMania 25 in Houston. It's Shawn Michaels and the undertaker, the first match or the, the first match in, in their two-match two, two match series at WrestleMania. And the whole weekend was also about Austin because he goes into the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame ceremony sucked because they put a time limit on everyone's speeches. And so that. I'm at that WrestleMania, and that WrestleMania is not great. It, it Save for that one match and maybe a couple of other things, it's kind of a disappointment live. But when they did the Hall of Fame announcement, and they obviously left him for last, he didn't do the thing where he came out, at least I don't remember, where he, he comes out in the tuxedo like everybody. Or maybe he did, and then he goes back, but they play the music, and he drives the little, the little four-wheeler down the thing. And I was like, okay, that was the moment that I've been waiting for. So that was my favorite one. Hopefully we get something very similar to that at this year's WrestleMania because I think we're all giant uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin fans here. Absolutely. All right. Let's um, uh, let's stay on the WWE, uh, WWE in WWE lane here. Cody Rhodes, Dave reported in the Wrestling Observer that his road to WrestleMania was going to be with Seth Rollins, but now that it is on hold because negotiations between Cody Rhodes and WWE have stalled for whatever reason. Um, I heard a couple of different things that you would sort of point the finger at him for them stalling. I've heard something where you point the finger at Vince for the stalling. I, I'm, I'm not sure what the exact, uh, what the exact reason is. I'm, I'm just, you know, he probably thinks he should make more money than they're willing to pay him. That's all negotiations uh, is what I probably would, would guess. But, uh, but James does Cody Rhodes showing up in WWE at WrestleMania, having this big match, does that do anything for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a big deal just because he's a founder of AEW. He's one of the the the, the former EVPs. I think that is a big deal. Um, I'm not sure how all WWE fans will react to it. I think a lot of them still see him as a little bit of a mid carder, and they're the people that would claim that all of AEW is nothing but mid carders, you know, <laughs> with a few exceptions. But if it happens, I am absolutely into it, and it's one of the things that will 100 percent guarantee I'm watching. W, I'm watching WrestleMania for sure. 
All right, Paul, I know you're trying to put Seth Rollins in the in the ladder match for the <laughs> NXT show. I know that's your that's your side booking there, but uh is is Seth Rollins the right guy for Cody in 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 his sort of re-debut at WrestleMania if that is if they actually pull it off? Uh, that's such a difficult question to answer. I mean, it's it's the only guy. Like, but that does that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right guy. Um, you know, like I don't really know who the right guy would be. Like Miz seems like it would be a good feud for him. Um, Triple H, if he was able to go, you know, other than that, like I, I'm not, I'm interested in seeing Cody in WWE, but there's nobody that I can really look at and say, Oh, I can't wait to see Cody versus so-and-so I know Cody and Seth will be a great match and that's Mm -hmm. why they're going to do it. And if that's all they're going to do is just book them in these feuds, Cody and edge, Cody and KO Cody and Sammy, you know, like whatever. Um, uh, That's where like, I'm like, you know, the only reason they're signing him is because he was an AEW exec. I don't think they actually have any plans for him. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Because if you, now we we've said this from from the beginning. We probably even said this on this show, but if you are trying to create the idea that the grass could be greener on the WWE side of things after Daniel Brian Danielson, <laughs> CM Punk, John Moxley, they've proved the other way works too, right? That the grass can be greener outside of WWE. If WWE right. wants to say. No, 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 no. For those guys, yeah, but the grass can still be greener on this side. Showing that through Cody Rhodes is uber important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think w- one of the things I've seen a lot of people saying, and I think it's a good point, is that WWE would put him in big programs if they were paying him the type of money it would take to get him there. And I think that is true initially, but I, I just think with Vince McMahon – and it doesn't matter what Vince thinks when he signs him, his his mind is going to change on the daily. His mind will be changed a month later, two months later, three months later. And I just have, I, and I do think if they do sign Cody Rhodes, he will come in in a big program worth watching. And then I still truly believe in three months he'll be stardust again, and it'll <laughs> all be for naught, you know. And I, that's yeah. one of the also like I am, I'm still in the camp. I don't think he's going to end up signing. I don't think he's going to end up there. Uh, and if he does, I do hope it's in big programs. I think he deserves it. I think he's proven he's a guy that you can put that kind of faith in, but I just don't have faith that it will be carried out long-term. Okay, well, let's stay here because you said something that I can't imagine working out for him if he thought that leaving AEW was the right decision, which is you're saying he doesn't go to WWE, so there's something else that could be out there for him if it's not WWE and it's not AEW, is he is he even in wrestling? That's the th- here's that's the thing, and it's one of my big issues with the whole story from the beginning. And I said this on the Boom this week. Cody Rhodes is a dad is a is a dad for the first time in his life. He has a little girl at home. There's never, I think, from from my experience with new fathers, there's never a time when you're more concerned about money and about stacking cash for the long term. And he and Brandy, by leaving have given up so many paychecks, EVP paychecks, wrestling paychecks, um, roads to the top paychecks. Between the two of them, we're literally talking five to seven paychecks. I can't imagine making that decision to not take whatever they were offering unless you already have something that 
locked down with WWE because nobody out there can pay you that kind of money mm -hmm. to make up for all those missing paychecks other than WWE. I don't think he's going to go to New Japan. I don't think he's going to want to leave his little girl behind in America for extended periods of time. And um, I, and this is a very unpopular opinion. I'll probably get dragged for the rest of my life for it. I, I still think there's a possibility that the whole thing could be a really, really elaborate work. Um, and I know no one agrees with me on that, and I'm cool with it. I'm totally cool with it. But just because it doesn't make sense to me why he would make why he would leave unless he already had that locked down, because he was on AEW TV for a couple of months without a contract. And if you, you're out of contract, you can be negotiating. This is something that should have been negotiated months ago. And for him to be sitting at home without without all of this different income coming in, to me, that's just really, really suspicious. <laughs> if this thing is a work, we're never believing anything ever again. And to me, I, I think it's I, possible that he ends up back in AEW, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a work. Right. And I agree. I think that's a possibility yeah. as well. And I'm not saying it's 100% a hundred percent. I'm just saying if this yeah. is true, then it's one of the two biggest works of all time, along with Brian Pillman leaving leaving WCW with his fake release that was actually a real release. I do think it's something unprecedented. I'm not saying this is a a normal thing. I just think. The facts to me don't per don't add up. It seems like a bad decision, and very and this could very well just be Cody made potentially a bad decision because if he has just kind of slammed the door in AEW, then he has no real negotiating position with WWE anymore because there's no one else again in wrestling that can pay him that kind of money. The only other thing he could do was go heavier on shows like the Go Big Show or do something outside of wrestling, kind of like what began this question Garrett and that's it could just be Cody made a terrible decision I do have a I do have a story that I hope I don't get in trouble for telling all right which is uh after the show with Brian Danielson and Dave and I we were just kind of talking off air <laughs> and Brian said that you know Brian doesn't know anything about the Cody situation like he's been very he was very adamant that like he he knows less than you know what dave knows right and so he said that he sent tony khan a text which said something to the effect of i have this great idea how about cody comes back and he runs roh <laughs> and, and 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 tony and he said he said uh tony khan wrote him back something to the effect of yeah, I received a thousand of those. Because <laughs> <laughs> Brian's not online. He doesn't no, no, know no. that like uh -uh. 8 million people have already yeah, come up exactly. with this idea. That's yeah. hilarious. It was a, I, that's I, I cracked up. I was like, you know, that's perfect. That's, like, that's exactly <laughs> what you expect yeah. from Brian Danielson because he's, li he's living what he said, which is stay yeah. off of social media. I'm not even on it. It's my manager who runs my social media. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, you know, let's let's not. I don't think people will aggregate that or anything. It's we'll, we'll keep it between. I I got this audience. I got I just well one thing I want to say because DJ Convoy asked a good question: Who does a work benefit? And so if it was a work, and I don't think it is, I think it benefits AEW because it makes it look like Cody chose AEW over WWE. He had an offer from WWE. He was going to take it, and then he said, "No, I'm going back to AEW." Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's, I mean, I don't think that's what it is, but that could be the answer. And I think there's a lot of good stories that could come out of it. And I think that's, that's the thing. It would just benefit the storytelling uh, as in may, maybe a way to make him come back in a way where he doesn't think he's a heel, but to AEW, he's a heel. I think there's a lot of options there. And again, I'm not saying this is a hundred percent what I think is going to happen. I'm saying, I think it's a possibility because of the strangeness of the decision-making from Cody Rhodes. All right, let's move on to two really small things I think worth mentioning, and I'm sure uh, James, you will probably talk about this a little bit on the Boom. Uh, Paul, you may talk about this on on uh, the Dynamite Show, which is on our Patreon, which is um, the AEW uh, ticket sales uh, are doing very well uh, in in some markets, in the new markets, right? The uh, the LA market in the forum, it looks like they put up. I don't know, 6,000 or something. I think they sold those tickets. They, you know, there's still a bunch of sections that they could then sell. Uh, I think somebody mentioned Detroit as well, a first time market. Um, It's an interesting kind of thing to where they hit these markets so consistently. Chicago, you know, Florida, there's some places in Texas that they've run a couple different times because it seems like if they would just be open to go to more places, you go the first time it's going to be hot as hell. LA has shown that they have not yet come to the Bay area. And I kind of wonder about that strategy. Now, I don't know how to sell tickets. I don't know that entire business. You know, if, if uh, Dave would always talk about the great Zane Breslov, like I wish we had his, his, you know, him to be able to ask these questions, but what do you guys think about that strategy of like almost overrunning some markets? And then you see the houses, uh, they they hide it very well on TV, but you see the pictures online where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's not that many people there versus just like, why don't we just hit all of these new markets? Unless there's data. I'm sure there's data. I'm sure Chris Harrington has data that says we may not be as hot in this market as, as we think we are. But, Paul, uh, you know, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about about the ticket stuff. But what do you think about that strategy? I think like I, I think it's it seems like it's working. Um, it makes it feel real hot. I mean, when I first got the news about the forum, like, I'm like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe they sold out that huge building. And then, you know, and then I look into it and it's like, oh, okay, they didn't sell like 17,000 tickets like I thought they might have, you know. So, but I do think that perception is there. Whereas all you hear about WWE is, oh, you know, 18,000 seat building and they sold 2,500 tickets, you know, so it makes it seem. But then when you actually look after the fact and look at the ticket sales, they're actually pretty close, which is a really strong feather in the cap for aw but it's not like it appears sometimes that aw is like outselling wwe like three to one or something yes yes so so, um you know i think you would if aw came to you know where you could go easily like you'd def you'd you'd so quickly buy within eight hour drive i'm going yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) like um so what about you james have they been near you yet they, they've been fairly near me. Like when they come to Texas, they're not far. They're about to come to New Orleans for the first time, which is really, really exciting. That was that was supposed to happen earlier, and I think it got canceled because of the pandemic. I think the, the, entire, the entire idea of that they've basically been, picked a couple of major markets, and they've just ran them to death, like squeezed all the juice out before going to these other major markets like Detroit and L.A., it's really fascinating to me. Like I used to be a concert promoter and I, I ran some big shows, mm-hmm. but it was always in the kind of the same area. So I've never done touring or anything like that. It's really interesting because it does seem that when they get there again, 
Yeah, they okay. So the form, let's say it was six thousand tickets. I'm, I I don't know all these numbers like you guys do. Um, the thing is, what was available was gone in six minutes, yeah. and that's incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. Then they'll release some more tickets, and then those will probably go, but pro partially because of the perception that it was sold out. But hey, there's a few more tickets. It seems to be a really wise move. And um, and there's something that Dave was talking about, basically how Chicago is kind of AEW city now, and clearly Jacksonville is their city, um, <laughs> even though you know they're they're definitely wearing some people out. I think we saw that recently in Chicago, and uh, you know I, it feels like they're locking down loyalty before they move on to new areas. And that might it, it's looking like that might be a really good move. It's frustrating for everybody who's not in those areas. Um, mm -hmm. Although again, for me. Most of my life, I'm, I was just like you, Paul. Like, if it's within eight hours, I'm going. Like, I should have been going to all these Texas shows. Yeah. I've just not been able to recently. And uh, so I'm really excited about them coming to New Orleans. I'm going to try and make that. And uh, and I have a feeling there's a lot of people around the country having conversations like this right now. Detroit, L.A., like, hey, they're finally coming to the West Coast. And I'm actually really surprised it took so long considering so many AEW wrestlers, including the Young Bucks, that's their that's their personal territory. All right, I have, we have one question. Then we're going to move to a couple of quick MMA things. Uh, so this is an interesting question from Corey Richmond. If already discussed, my bad. But how will it look to the black fan base if Scorpio Sky is a one week champion for Wardlow? So I cannot speak for an entire fan base for sure. I am not African American. Um, I, I think anybody used as a transitional champion is going to be frowned upon for uh you know tony khan has spoken out on twitter uh, about these things so you know the criticism will be there i personally hope that scorpio sky does not lose the title and that this is more of a of a storyline thing for wardlow uh so i don't think it's going to happen but i i, I did think it was an interesting booking moment because there is a thought that he just put it on Scorpio sky to lose to Wardlow. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, so sorry, Corey can't really answer that question, but you know, uh, I, I, I will, uh, it's hard for me to go like, Oh, well, let's just, I, I, you know, let's just uh, talk to someone who's African-American and an AEW fan. Cause then again, you know, that person also cannot speak for the entire fan base, but you know, that is something that uh, is going to be interesting. And, you know, we'll, we'll have other folks on this show and, and we could take the question there for sure. Okay. So um, I, I do have a couple of, and Daza, uh, oh, a man, I think Wardlow's not getting a title match next, next one. And very similar to, to, to Daza. I, I, I think so as well. Um, so let's, let's quickly go to two, MMA topics and J James is perfect to talk about this stuff as well because he's very well versed in uh, in, in the fighting. So I had uh, I saw a couple quotes and one of them was about Kayla Harrison. Now I might be a little bit more uh, what is the right word? I love the idea of Kayla Harrison fighting. I don't like the idea of her only being in the PFL. Because we'll never get to see if she could become a giant draw, a big star. She's basically in, you know, I guess that you would technically call it the minor leagues. And and maybe her skill level is is sort of 
you know, maybe that's where she needs to be. But ultimately, I do think that there is, you know, some star power that is being wasted uh, by her being in the PFL. But she re-signed with them. So I wanted to ask you guys about this. So I'm going to read the quote. She says, I think there were a lot of contract negotiations. There were a lot of offers, many of them very lucrative. Ultimately, the PFL had the right to match any contract that I received, and they stepped up in a big way, and now I'm going to be staying. I'm excited. I talked to the owner. He made it very clear that the goals I have for myself, the way I want to challenge myself, is still going to be accomplished. The PFL supports me 100%. They're not afraid to pay big money and bring over big-name fighters to come over and challenge me. So two things stand out to me in that quote. One... Dana White must have not offered her very much money for the PFL to just be like, nope, we're, we're matching that. So UFC maybe he didn't was the offer. lowest offer. Yeah, maybe he didn't offer at all. What does that say about what her prospects are? Or it, because I think in a, I don't know if we'd say a fair market or whatever, but she should be like one of the most highly sought out talents if the UFC was looking to you know, have some, ha- have some big matches uh, up there. Now she's a, she's a little bit bigger than, than, than their, um, their weight classes. But James, what does that say about sort of the MMA business right now? It tells me the UFC is not looking to make big matches and they haven't been for a while. And that's a real issue that is plaguing the UFC since they signed this deal with ESPN. They're kind of making the same money every pay-per-view, no matter what. They don't have the incentive anymore to make John Jones, Steve Miocic, John Jones, Francis Ngannou, or to, br- or to bring in somebody like this who could be the next Ronda Rousey and that she is, I think, better than Ronda was at most of the things Ronda was good at. She is a great promo. She is incredibly marketable. Everyone should want Kayla Harrison. And she's yes, she is giant, giant arms. Yeah. Oh and she's and that's the other thing. Yeah, she's bigger. Yeah. She like it will be it would be difficult. The UFC could can find plenty of people to put against her. Uh, I think that's, of course, the Amanda Nunes match is one of the two dream matches along with Chris Cyborg over in Bellator. It makes sense that Bellator came hard for and PFL matched. And to me, the idea that the PFL is going to be bringing in all these people to be opponents, who? Yeah. Like, who are these people? Because everyone is signed to either Bellator or the UFC who we want to see. And are they in a position on ESPN2 to really build big new opponents for Kayla Harrison? I think the answer is no. And I think if I were Kayla Harrison, which I am clearly not in any way, even remotely in her on her level in, in anything in life, um, if I were Kayla Harrison, I think I would have turned down the big money initially. And I'm get, assuming PFL uh, did offer pretty decent money for the for the big money that could be down the road signing with the UFC. Because even if they're not paying that money right now, if you can put on some fantastic performances, cut a good promos talking, cut a couple good promos talking to Joe Rogan. That big money could come down the road via pay-per-view bonuses, that sort of thing. And just the level of sponsorships you could get outside of the cage from that exposure. I, I just don't think it's the right move for uh, Garrett. And even though she's making the, the more money right now, clearly, it's it's a really disappointing move. I bet you are a better podcaster than she is. That's that's <laughs> that, there's, there's real potential there. <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't think we've seen her. I don't think we've seen her chops yet, so who knows? Okay, Paul, so the second piece of that quote that I thought was very interesting was kind of what James was alluding to, which was the opportunity to have these other matches. Now, does that mean Scott Coker would be interested in co-promoting? He hasn't shied away from that like the UFC has, and it makes zero sense for the UFC to do that. There's, there's, no, there's no reason why they should, but it's not like Bellator's knocking them out 
you know, in, in the box office either. What did you get out of that second part of her quote about bringing in big matches? Well, I'm sure that's what they told her. Um, I mean, Ryan, Ryan's brought up a good point. Like, you know, Cyborg's contract is just about up. So, you know, they could potentially go to that match, even not having Bellator co-promote. The one name they brought in was Julia Budd, who is, you know, a, a very good fighter. Um, she, her only two career losses, I think, were to Cyborg and Ronda Rousey. So, you know, but the, the problem with Kayla Harrison is, I mean, you kind of hinted at it, Garrett. She is quite a bit bigger, I, I mean, than anybody else. So PFL built a whole weight class around her and brought in people that were 10 or 20 pounds lighter to fight up to get to her weight class. And she just mowed through the competition the last three years. And it's a million dollars. Like you win three or four matches and you win a million dollars. So that's what she's getting. And yes. basically it's like a free million dollars. Easy money. Yeah, and she literally in her pro fight promos, like James brought up how she's a good promo. She's an incredible promo. She says, that million dollars is mine. You guys are in my way. I'm just going to take you out, and then I'm going to collect my million dollar check at the end. All right. And, it's, like, it's, and, like we, it's like we hit the bat phone here because oh you my just talked about the great Ryan Frederick. He says yeah. Cyborg's Bellator deal is about to be up, so that potential fight isn't off the table. Yeah. So maybe that's the other the other piece of this that might yeah. be specifically what she was referring to in the second part of that and i Could appreciate be. ryan chiming in because i didn't know that so yeah. really appreciate that info in the clinch mma podcast on the fight game media network you there get you all go. kinds of scoops from ryan every week best of the go. business yep all right so last question i have we'll wrap it up with this um i was on the uh, in the clinch post show and we were talking about one of the fights, which went five rounds and was probably should have been stopped, but the doctor kept coming in and it didn't get stopped. And it was sort of like the doctor's like, well, I'll leave it up to you, ref. And he's like, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, he can see. And so, you know, we, we were we were kind of going over whether or not that should be stopped or not. And so there was another quote, and I will pull it up here from one Michael Bisping. He was on the MMA Hour. And he was talking about how uh, the coaches don't really have the, the – the, they're not protecting their fighters. And um, I forgot that. I, I didn't – this isn't in the actual quote that I pulled, but he said something like they don't have the, the courage or something to stop these fights. And somebody who is a – who was a fighter and is now on the other side sees it from now a different perspective – but I guess the, the question to you guys is because you guys know uh, Michael and his work better than I do. Would Michael, the fighter, now now Michael had dam real damage to his eye, right? Like he he, yeah. he had a real injury which affected his career. Would the fighter, Michael Bisping, have the same quote or is this Michael Bisping, who's got so many years under his belt, who sees things from a different perspective in a different context. And James, I'll start with you. I I, I love the question, Garrett. And and as soon as you said it, I realized this is 100% right. I don't think the fighter Michael Bisping would ever say this is a guy who kept kept secret that he basically had one eye for his last <laughs> right. few MMA fights. He clearly was not interested in anyone protecting him. And I do think it's a real problem in MMA right now that people aren't willing to throw in the towel. But when's the last time we saw somebody significant throw in the towel? That was Deontay Wilder's corner. And that man was fired, was yes. gone. Mark Breland. And, yeah. And um, and that's a real shame, but that's what happens. Um, and I think something else I really enjoyed that you said was how, like, 
the the referee is talking to the is talking to the doctor like should we stop the fight blah 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 like years ago i talked to the head of the louisiana state athletic commission he said one of the things they look for in referees were former law enforcement people who are willing to make a decision at the snap of a finger because you want people in there who are decisive and that's what i was thinking about during that fight is that no one no one was decisive nobody wanted that to rest on them, not the doctor, not the corner, not the referee. And that's a real problem. There needs to be people there who, there needs to be someone in MMA, anyone whose chief concern is the safety of the fighters, because even his, even Moicano's opponent afterwards was talking about how they should have stopped the fight. And he was having to pull off the gas and he, and he got injured in the last round, pulling off the gas, which is credit to Moicano. But my God, that was just a little bit of a Garrett, a little bit of a shit show. All right, Paul, wrap us up here uh, with your thoughts. Yeah, we. I mean, we talked about this quite a bit on the podcast. And I, I mean, yeah, Bisping, there's no way. Like, he he wouldn't stop. But he also no. recognized. And he's actually said it in the broadcast. He said, I, this is coming from somebody who fought with one eye. So keep this in, in mind. Um, uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, clearly when you watch that fight on on Saturday, the ref wanted to stop the fight, but he didn't want to be the one to make the call. So he was trying to get the doctor to do it. And the doctor was like, I'm not going to stop the fight. And so it's like, it's just the two of them. And meanwhile, this fighter and the absolute worst thing that could have happened was his opponent um, ended up winning the fifth round. So now they feel like they're justified, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and meanwhile, yeah. like, no, you're not justified. The guy, the guy took the round off and got hurt. Like James mentioned. So yeah. Um, it's just ridiculous and but it's it's never gonna happen. Like I, I've seen one. I think I saw a corner stoppage not that long ago. Ryan's got a great brain. Maybe he'll remind me later. But um but but I mean it's so few and far between and it and literally almost every week there's one of these. And this was yeah. just a high profile one. All right, let's uh talk about what everyone has on tap for content this week. So James, are, are, are you going to have a, a guest host this week on the boom? Mike Gilbert. We're going to be, we're going to be recording the show Saturday night. Really excited. Um, basically look, every, every team in AEW broke up this week, every single one. <laughs> and so I'm probably going to start the show, letting people know, like I took, this is my opportunity to boot out Kevin, Ely, <laughs> bring in Mike Gilbert. We're centering a whole new run. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope, I'm hope everybody will tune in to check that show out. On Monday. So Mike Gilbert, host of uh, Brace for Impact with J.D. Oliva, which just went up. They have a cool gimmick with their show because they do the free version, which is just them talking about the Impact episode that just aired. They come out, you know, they come back uh, several hours later. And then on the Patreon, then they cover a lot more. So there's two versions. You get the free version and then you get the Patreon version of uh, Brace for Impact. So uh, Kevin's got some work stuff going on, so Mike Mike's going to step in, which is awesome. You know, yeah. thanks to Mike for doing that. Uh, and that the that podcast will be up sometime Monday in, in the afternoon uh, after the wrap. The WWE podcast goes up. We put both of our AEW and WWE podcasts up on the same day. Uh, okay, so Paul, uh, you have two shows in addition to this one that you do with me now yeah. three times. Uh, in the clinch with uh, Ryan Frederick. We just saw Ryan. That will be up Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday morning. And then you just put up uh, the Dynamite show with Jeff Hawkins. And if people want to hear a, probably a little bit more full version of the conversation that we had to start this show, I know you talked about that. In addition to, to breaking down a very newsworthy AEW mm-hmm. Dynamite. Is there anything else that you want 
want to plug before uh, we get I mean, out of here? I got the Grandpa Dez show. Um, I, I'm recording an episode later today. I've got three lined up over the next couple of weeks because I'm going to wow. be taking a week off in uh, to go to Mania. And actually, Mike Gilbert, I mean, tentatively is scheduled to step in for me uh, when, when I go to uh, WrestleMania, although he's just got to see what his schedule is like. So maybe if he can't do it, I'll probably ask you, James. <laughs> and I'm in. If Mike's out, right. I'm in 100 right, cool. We're making deals here yeah. at the end of the show. So uh, thanks to both of you for, for doing this. I, I love the the idea of this show just came to me because I was like, man, like I don't have a show on this network. <laughs> and I would Which love is ridiculous. to ridiculous. I would love to do something. And well, let's analyze news. And so we've been able to do it. We do, I still don't have a regular time. So I hope people are okay with sort of the varied time that this show comes out. But I wanted to do it. On the stream as well, because we don't, you know, we, we have a YouTube channel. We're trying to tie uh, a podcast network and a YouTube channel and the different social medias and the Patreon. So it's a, it's a nice, fun puzzle to figure out. But thanks to both of you for doing this. For James, for Paul, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.